I need to just continue doing the things that get me excited that are a yeah. hell yes, that feel good versus because us actors do that thing where we get hungry. I mean, mm-hmm. you do need a check. Scarcity mindset. Yes. Yeah. Right. All of that. And that does, that happens. It's, it's a reality. It's a part of this thing, but I did not want to go down into that hole. So staying away from that hole of the scarcity mindset that really like hustle, hustle, mm-hmm. hunger, hunger kind of mm-hmm. thing and sticking with my joy. I know it sounds so goo goo gaga, but it's not. I'm telling no, you, it's, it's, not. Not. it's not. Part inspiration, part education, the whole artist with Courtney Rue. Be your best you. Welcome to The Whole Artist with Courtney Rue, conversations with artists about acting, purpose, and the journey to finding wholeness. And my guest today is Tiffany Yvonne Cox. She's a first-generation Trinidadian actress, producer, writer, and director. She's worked at Chicago Shakespeare Theater, The House, The Goodman. Her first role on TV was Chicago Fire, and then she decided to move to L.A., where she's been on Grey's Anatomy, Dead to Me, and several films and national commercials. She volunteers with CSH Speak Up and is on the L.A. local board for SAG-AFTRA. She realized bringing minority stories to the forefront was something that she could easily create through her art. She began producing her own creative work beginning with the digital series Commune, followed by her directorial debut of a short film called Roadside Assistance. You can follow Tiffany's work at TiffanyYvonneCox.com. Today, Tiffany and I talk about all that and so much more. Why she decided to be an actor versus being a soccer player. How activism shows up in everything that she does. We talk about hair and makeup equity. And guess what? There's a panel coming up this month in May 2021. The PGA, Producers Guild of America, is hosting a hair and makeup equity panel. And I'm showing up. I hope you show up and listen and support and learn. Also, Tiffany and I talk a lot about volunteering for the union or showing up to events for the union, learning about your contracts. If any of this sparks interest in you, if you are thinking about getting involved in any way or just showing up, you just have to make sure you're a member in good standing, which means you've paid your dues. So if you have any questions or want to get involved, please contact us. We are more than happy to talk to you about it and point you in the right direction. Courtney at CourtneyRue.com. You can get a hold of Tiffany at her website. We can put you in touch with someone from your local. Just let us know where you live because there's events happening all the time. And you can just check your SAG After email. You can listen to the SAG After podcast. You could go to the SAG After YouTube page, the SAG After website. There's so much official information out there that is so helpful. And all the videos that happened over the pandemic are just amazing. I mean, if you want to learn about audiobooks, there's an audiobooks webinar. If you want to learn about self-taping, there's one of those. But yeah, we'd love to see your smiling faces at a meeting. Okay, you are going to love Tiffany. So I'm going to stop talking and let you enjoy this interview with Tiffany Von Cox. I wanted to start with the question of you telling when and why and how you decided to be an actor, because I saw that on your website and I was like, I need to hear this story (laughs) because it must have shaped everything about who you are and how you show up as an artist. Yeah, you know, and it keeps on expanding over time too. So I was a sophomore in high school and I somehow got involved with a play that was at a community college. This was when I was living in Jersey. And so we did this play by William Master Simone called Bang Bang You're Dead. And the play is all about this guy, Josh, who does a school shooting and he comes to terms at the end realizing that he shouldn't have done the things that he did. So we would, we did this play and we would always have talkbacks afterwards and we would have different bodies of students that came in and a high school body came on the second day. 
And we always ask the question, does anybody feel like the main character, Josh, who is the guy that killed everybody, and a kid stood up and said, I've always felt like him, but now I realize I can't do the things that he did. And we were all like, wow. Yeah. The power of words. Like we literally stopped this particular student from doing whatever it could be. And the worst at it, you know, possibly a school shooting. So the power of words really stuck with me. And it was funny because at that time, I was always debating between playing soccer after school or acting. And so <laughs> I uh, continued on with acting and it has stuck with me since. And so now as an artist, now granted, you know, if I am doing a fabulous, um, I don't know, McDonald's commercial, you're not necessarily stopping a school shooting and right. doing some form of activism. But whenever people have a chance to see who I am with my voice, with my skin, my hair, like that is its own representativism as well. And yeah. representing, yes, exactly. And it's amazing how now it's really has manifested even more within my, within my life in the world of activism. We'll get into me joining the LA local board and the, yeah. um, the proposals I put forward. And then also I just started a small business underneath my production company, Honest Babble Production Company. And it's a workshop called Roadside Assistance, which was created after my first, um, really intimate experience with a police officer mm. where we had a tough, honest, and beautiful conversation. And so I created a short film out of it. And then I'm now taking it to the collegiate space and the workshop, it tends up being almost like an extended talk back where we work on empathy. We work on nurturing and growing empathy. And within the short film, we get to see the example of what an ally looks like. Wow. And the Students that are a part of it, they get to be a part of the conversation because there's writing exercises within there. We go into breakout rooms and talk about um, the different experiences we've had throughout life and also how it impacts us today and how we look at people. So art as activism has somehow just organically expanded. Yeah. But I think it's also just as I come into my womanhood and decide how I want to continue to show up as an artist. I was going to say, even if you became a soccer player, you would still be like Megan Rapino is like being an <laughs> activist, right? Even as a soccer player, no matter what, because you, yeah. you volunteer for so many organizations, which I want to talk about, including yeah. the local board with LA and your CSH Speak Up. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about how you are volunteering and how you're showing up outside of your acting. For sure. Yes. So you noted CSH speak up. You got that absolutely correct. So I was, um, the first piece I ever, um, created and it was a, um, I co-wrote, co-produced with some, uh, two other partners and myself, five writers actually on this project because we wanted to get ourselves out there as actors. Uh, and it's called Commune. You can find it online, Commune the series if you go to YouTube. And we wanted to not only like have this content, which was about these, um, folks in their 30s who literally built a commune and they wanted to have free health care and have a farm and all this stuff. We wanted to connect organizations that touched on these themes 
to the piece. So one of the places we found was the Corporation of Supportive Housing. So I went to go and talk to this amazing woman named Anne, and uh, she was telling me about the program CSH Speak Up, which the whole mission of it is taking the lived experiences of those who have experienced homelessness Mm -hmm. and formulating that lived experience into a three to five minute story. And that's then taken out to legislation. So they share their right. They share these stories with senators to advocate for supportive housing. And so as I am a coach, I help them to focus in the story to three to five minutes. We only have so much time with the senator. (laughs) So you got to be concise and clear. Yes. To advocate for supportive housing, it's not just legislation. It's also going into the neighborhoods. It's going into your aldermen. It's, uh, shoot, it's going over to move or to, or sag after or something like that and having these conversations. So we change the scope of what, um, supportive housing looks like and what those who have experienced homelessness looks like. So we, we humanize it. So, um, that is one thing that I do outside of my art, though connected yeah. somewhat because it's storytelling. Right. It's, it's so powerful that like you have this thread throughout your life of like storytelling and words matter. And then you found this organization through something that you were producing and acting in and writing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Completely. Cause Anne asked me, she was like, yeah, I'm doing this. You know, we actually need more people. She's like, you want to sign up? I said, you know what? Yeah, this sounds great. <laughs> so it, was, it was so funny because usually she interviews everybody. I had interviewed her, but I was like, this sounds fantastic. And I've been yeah. with them for the past couple of years now. And they're actually looking for more people. So anybody mm-hmm. who's listening to this, if you want to be a coach, they are definitely looking for coaches to sign up and volunteer. It is not a lot of time out of your day or your month. I want to say it's like maybe... Um, there's one session a month and then you have, uh, about an hour session with the advocate you work with. Wow. And you're a mother, you're a new mother. You like, yeah. So you don't have time to do this and you do it. So uh, people (laughs) listening who think they don't have time, you have time. How does being a volunteer coach and, you know, volunteering on the board, like how does that help you as a person, as an actor? How does it make you more like a whole artist? (laughs) (laughs) Right. right. You know, I feel like I'm starting to find my voice more like, who is Tiffany Yvonne Cox? I don't even know if I can still answer this myself, but the adjectives that go towards that individual that I am are starting to come out and show up just because of the things that in my gut feels like, yeah, it's it's a hell yes. You know, sometimes they're like, is it a hell no or a hell yes? We're running after the hell yeses. I said, hell yes to motherhood. Hell yes Yes. to CSH Speak Up. Hell yes to the LA local board where I feel as if I am learning to form my positions much stronger, have my voice and character show up even stronger. And by doing that, it's not like just for me and the people right next to me. It's able to reach out to so many others. And that is what is the most rewarding from Mm -hmm. it all. Yeah. So, and and you, I'm sorry, I didn't get into the LA local board. I can share. Yeah. Let's, let's talk about that because we met. So Tiffany and I met at convention in what year was that? 2019. Yes. Cause I was, I was pregnant. Yes. Yeah. So with convention, you are a volunteer, but you are voted in as a delegate and you show up to this convention and I don't, there's hundreds of other SAG after members who are volunteering their time. And like, we try to get these resolutions passed to put priorities to 
to the union of what we want to focus on. So Tiffany, can you tell everyone your resolution that you wanted to get passed and (laughs) did it and all that stuff? (laughs) (laughs) Definitely, definitely. And it was the whole reason why I decided to run to be a delegate, why I ran to be an LA local board member. And I'm so thankful that the membership voted and I have been able to serve this term thus far. So the resolution that I put forward was to have proficient hair and makeup artists on set. What happens within the Black community, what happens with those who have textured hair, is that we take a significant amount of time, energy, and finances to be sure that our hair is done before we get onto set because we're never sure exactly if they're going to know how to do our hair. We're not exactly sure if they're going to have the right color makeup for us or if they know the color theory to mix to get to the right complexion for us. If you ask any Black artist, every single one has a horror story or a story of insurity when it comes to going on set, which Mm -hmm. I just think is horrific. So that was my huge impetus for becoming a part of leadership because I realized like, oh, like who's in the room? Where can this issue get fixed? I feel like we've just been talking about it all the time. And that's how I started when we give your resolution, you just give a little bit of background on it. And I said, I'm tired of talking about it. Like I literally (laughs) am. Let's put some action forward. So that's what brought me to do that. I didn't hear about it until mm-hmm. Hashtag Books started doing sketches about it. And when you were on Allison Pill's Instagram Live with Michelle Hurd, right, and talking about your stories and like Allison Pill was like she would be sitting in a makeup trailer and like see someone doing their own hair and makeup. And she's like, why are they doing their own hair? and Like, why is that happening? You know, so were you bringing it to agents? Were you bringing it to the union? Like- the conversation was ever present. And I think it's the kind of thing where, for example, we have just in this past year, unfortunately, George Floyd happened, but we also have had for forever and a day, Trayvon Martin was kind of the marker. Right. And then there's a slew of other Black people even before that. We knew within our community and we've been screaming about it. I mean, because it was on videos, it was in articles um, about this issue happening. But I think it was only reaching our ears. It was reaching the Black and BIPOC ears. I think at least. Yeah. Because even if we, we ju- I just went to a fantastic summit, um, hashtag book, Lenisa and, and Danielle were on it, uh, where they talked, it was a Black Beauty Summit, Gabrielle Union hosted it. And oh, yeah, it was really great. But I did have to ask myself, who's watching this besides Black women? Right. Now, I know that Gabrielle Union, she did in- invite producers to come. I think she invited reps to come and hopefully they did come. But I have to say the overwhelming majority of people, there's a there's a possibility that was mainly black people. So that's yeah. where that for me, I was like, I am tired of talking about this. We have every article, every video, every slew of example out there, but it's not reaching the right ears. It's not we're not taking the responsibility to listen and to be present in the conversation as well. Yeah, that that you said it. So If I had to keep on screaming louder, but finding a way to make it actionable, that's Mm -hmm. where I was coming at. So hence realizing like, oh, there's this thing called convention. Oh, there's this, there's the W&Ws, our wages and working where we we talk about these issues and they go into negotiation. Oh, there's all these places for the possibility of reaching new ears that hopefully will make active change when it comes to this, this issue that we got going on. 
Right. Because if it's not in the contract, if it's not in legislation, people don't necessarily just do this out of the goodness of their heart. <laughs> so we need yeah. we need the contracts and the legislation to back it up so that mm-hmm. it will happen. Right. Exactly. Can you tell us a, can you tell us a horror story that happened to you or someone, you know, with having to do your own hair and makeup, having it done horribly wrong. Definitely. So I was the hero on this campaign. And uh, you come to set, I always come to set with my hair in Bantu knots, which is a, a way to stretch the hair a bit. So myself or the artist can manipulate it and have some more fun. So also, and of course, I know how to do my hair in the case they don't have the right person to do it. What generally happens maybe 50% of the time, is that I'll get to set and I'll talk them through how to do my hair. So they get a hair lesson as I tell mm. them what to do with my fro. So that's And what you I don't get on. paid for that. Oh, no, I don't get paid for that. And of course, that also means that I'm, I, again, I prep my hair. So it's 45 minutes of prep the mm. night before or the morning of to be sure that it's ready to go when I get there. I can't come in with my hair wet and looking glamorous when I, when I walk out from the trailer. That doesn't happen. So... Mm-hmm. Do that on day one. We get to a good a good look. Second day, new location. I come in, new team. This is also the day that I have to cry my eyes out. So I'm like, okay. I tell the team, my my scene is up where I have to cry my eyes out. So here's how you do the Bantu knot thing and everything like that. But I need to sit here and just get myself welled up so I can boom, go and deliver. Yeah. So next thing I know, I'm, I'm sitting there in my meditation, getting myself ready to cry. And I feel the hair person do a move that felt as if she was like kind of running her hand mm. through my fro. You don't run hands through no. a fro. Yeah. <laughs> you don't run hands through any curls. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I was like, so I open my eyes and I see that half of my hair is still like the properly kind of textured curl. The other side is like straightened. <sighs> and once you go that far, you can't bring it back. No. So on top of that, we had no time. So we had to, I had the makeup artist stopped. I did my own hair. I'm hearing from one of the eighties. We got to get on set. We got to go. So the tears I'm crying on set now for the actual thing is because of the frustration of having to deal with, with this once again, had to talk with the hair person afterwards. And she was extremely apologetic. She was like, nobody gave me the picture of what you, how your hair was last time, which again, that's, not my job. That's that's yeah. her job. We know it's day two. And she said, also, actually, I don't even do hair. I'm special effects. So oh I was like, God. oh, so y'all hired special effects to do an afro. Yeah, problematic. No, yeah, day you're not special effects. Exactly. I'm not special effects. Day three, we were out in another location. We're in Tennessee. And something I learned as I've been doing more research is that all of the locals are completely different. Um, so... There was no way they were going to fly somebody from L.A. to do this shoot in Tennessee. We get there. By this time, I have my agents involved. And I said, can you please make sure there's somebody proficient who can do my hair? So I get on set. Same thing. And she was like, all right, talk to me about your hair. And it's really immediately apparent that she doesn't know how to do my hair. So I, I, yeah. I give another hair lesson again. And at the end, she says, wow, I thank you so much. And she literally says, thank you so much for this lesson about hair. I was like, yeah, you're you're welcome. Oh I might as well just have done it myself. Right. And, sa- and save some time. So that is 
It's really frustrating. Very frustrating. One of the many of the stories that I have, but the the fact that special effects was hired and that I gave a hair lesson to two other hair and makeup artists, it's problematic. And what yeah. I learned as I've been doing research is that it's not only just the fact of not having somebody proficient on set, the training they're receiving is not proficient. Uh, textured hair is not considered normal. The norm is white hair. So one woman I was interviewing um, from Local 706, she shared, she was like, I learned how to do hair where I was a minority. She's a white woman. I, she said, I'm the minority. Everybody else was black, brown, some other color. She said, none of us learned how to do textured hair. It took us hanging out with each other and just playing mm -hmm. around to learn how to do textured hair. So when it comes to the systems in place or at, yeah. where, where, where we are othered, it's like there's a whole lot of work that has to be done to break down these systems so that we're inclusive of all types when it comes yeah. to this. So how do you do that with the union? Do you have to get the hair and makeup union involved? Because they're separate unions, right? Is this something that we have to work together on? What's going on behind the scenes? Because the resolution passed, right? It did pass. It passed, but um, it did not go continue on when it came to negotiations. Mm. Now, I'm not mad at it because... We know with negotiations, there's there's a lot of things that come to the table. I just for myself was like, well, if it didn't make it to that table, I'm going to create my own table. So yeah. what has happened, and I'll only share as much as I can because there's a lot of confidentiality stuff going on behind closed right. doors, but the talks are starting to happen between the unions where uh, there's some of us who get to be in that room. The talks are, and hopefully as they continue, because it is a very uncomfortable conversation for everybody. So there's a lot of gracious honesty that I've been saying that we have to do, but also mm -hmm. energetically them understanding the dignity and safety and health that comes to it when it comes to this dealing with our hair. A couple of people, when it comes like to the executive level, they have been able to use their contacts and get all of us in a room, Zoom room nowadays, to, yeah. to have a conversation. It goes to, it's the type of thing where we have to hit a couple of the different unions because there's a portion of it educational wise that is needed on the IOTSI side for hair and makeup. There's also an access issue that comes to um, the hair and makeup artists. So for example, black hair and makeup artists, again, systems are really messed up. Uh, yeah. It can cost up to $6,500 to become a union member with IATSE. That is a lot of money. And especially if it's somebody that is coming from an underprivileged space. Mm -hmm. On top of that, just the, even the entry point to get in, they have three different ways that you can get in. One is that a celebrity talent wants you there, which you don't see that very often. And even when that does happen, it is a fight. It is a huge fight. There's also if the project flips from non-union to union, that's a way that somebody can be unionized. Then there's mm. also this thing called 60-60-60. I won't get into it because I feel like I'm going to explain it incorrectly, but it deals with the number of hours and the number of days that you've worked in a consecutive okay. order. I think it's like within 180 days or something like that, which working 60 days or 60 hours or whatever it is, that's a lot. Because you got to imagine on set, you might have probably including principal and background Maybe there's 30 to 50 people for that episode. For the hair and makeup trailer, you got probably like three to five, yeah. maybe jobs are scarce. So it's really difficult to get it's those numbers. Get mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. You know, I just went off on a tangent and I lost <laughs> what I was no, it's what okay. I was, uh, what I was I saying. I was saying how what actions are you taking what and then what actions can we take? Yes. The people who are listening, like me as an actor. You know, I'm not a celebrity, so I don't know how much weight I have, but maybe like a celebrity saying, 
I need for everyone involved in this project to have the hair and makeup that they need. Like maybe I, as uh, if I'm a celebrity, a white celebrity, I don't need it, but I know that my union brothers or sisters right next to me need it. You know, can I put that in my rider or can I say that this has to like, what can we do? Right. What can we do? Exactly. No, that's, that's a great question. Yes. So sorry. That's what I was getting at. So IATSE education, education, when it comes to PGA, our producers, because those are the backers, when it comes to funding, they need to understand what is needed when it comes to, um, the hiring. Yep. The hiring on set and the why. So in making sure that they put the money towards it, I just got a story from somebody else. And this has happened to me too, where you come and you're like, okay, great. I'm going to get myself ready for this show. And they're like, oh, mm, actually, you know what? We're going to send you somewhere else to go get your hair done. So you literally leave set and go somewhere else to a barber or whomever to get your hair done and then come back. There's no extra pay for this now. No, it's that's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, <laughs> Just yeah. like your time. <laughs> exactly. So that goes to the producers and making sure that the funding is there for what is needed when it comes to that. Um, when it comes to our members and it comes to people like you, Courtney, like you putting me on this platform is super helpful because a big thing that I realized was not knowing that, oh, our white allies have no clue about this issue. Um, yeah. yeah, even our Latinx members, like some of them have no clue about this issue. And so when myself and Michelle heard, which I'm so gracious that Michelle was already going to go on with Allison because they're both on Star Trek Picard. And then Michelle okay. was like, well, Tiffany's been doing this legislative work. You need to get her in here. And so then Allison invited me to come too. And, That's great. you know, obviously Allison Pill has a huge reach. Um, I think like yeah. it was hitting like 47K when it came to the number of views and such. But I didn't realize how many people had no clue about it. And so all of a sudden the white allies are like, what do you need to do? How can we amplify the story? So doing things mm-hmm. like this, this podcast, we're getting a panel together right now as well. So when that comes, like instead of it being us talking to the black people getting your white friends to come in and listen on this. We issue, need to show up. Yeah. Show up and show out and, and make noise, noise, noise. Because Share. as we saw, yeah. yes, exactly. As we saw with black lives matter that like when y'all came to the table with us, all of a sudden things change. Should it be right. that way? No, but we realize that that works and it's making systemic changes. So I'm going to take everything that we can. Now, also another thing that we can do when it comes to representation, like say that you're a manager or you're an agent, you are able to, when you're doing your negotiation saying, Hey, I need to make sure that my talent has a hair consult and follow up and make sure that that happens because it means so much more from that rep than it means from the actor who at times it feels like we don't have a voice. We don't have a say, especially if you're at the co-star guest star mm-hmm. background level, you feel as if you don't have a say. So having reps, which again, that's another area where it's a majority of um, non-BIPOCs that are in those positions. Yes. Yeah. That's we the need place to more BIPOC agents mm-hmm. and casting and, and, yeah. and in every level, right? Right. Right. Not just at the actor level on screen. Mm -hmm, Exactly. And I also even challenge it even further. So it just, you know, like me and you or another person, when you're in that trailer, we're sitting there and getting our hair done and getting makeup done and everything. And everybody feels in their gut when something is a little bit off and you're seeing Mm -hmm. that black artist pull out their makeup kit, or you see um, an extra conversation happening and it's taking forever for their hair to get done. You can voice it, 
You can voice yeah. it, and because the thing is, it needs to be vocalized. Every otherwise, everybody likes to act like, no, 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 it's okay, it's okay, we're almost done, we're, right. we're there. Oh, no, it's not okay. And and when you are able to speak up and say, hey, are you using your own makeup? What makeup are they using on you? There's there's even something yeah. as simple as that is like it starts to voice what's going on. Oh, should I be bringing my makeup too? I was just I just wanted to make sure and wonder about that. You know, yeah. like that that's something yeah. where. If you come energetically Because that's not anything I would ever, ever have to worry about. Bringing my own makeup, Mm -hmm. doing my own hair. It's like if you see something, say something, right? Like if you have (laughs) that feeling in your gut, like there's a reason for that. If you feel something, say something too, because it's, yeah, that's great advice. Thank you so much for, for sharing that with us. So do you feel like progress is being made? I feel like the steps are, we're, we're starting. It's, it's getting there. It's, this is going to be a long process. Nothing's yeah. going to happen overnight, but I am thankful that the conversations are starting to happen outside of just our group or even SAG-AFTRA and going to the people. So I'm interested to see what happens when we are chatting with them. So it's not just something that's pushed to the back burner again and again. If you need to share your story as well, because I'm collecting them right now as I'm doing a compilation so that IATSE and so that the PGA know, because when they hear about somebody having to, well, I'll just share mine for now, um, me having to leave set and go get my hair done and wigs at a random barber place. And that took about three hours out of my day. Yeah. <gasps> Then, then we're going to start to like, this is, the, and this is my reality and a lot of other people's reality of being like, should yeah. you go somewhere else to go get your hair done? And if they have to pay for that, yeah, then they'll be less likely to do it. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. If it comes out of their pocket instead of just out of your time. Yeah. Yeah. Anything else you want to say about this before we move on? Yeah. One more thing. Uh, there is a yeah. fantastic woman named Wumi who is currently putting together a database. So say if you are a hair and makeup person, she is putting together this fabulous database to make sure that it's actually listed what you do or if you have some sort of cool specialty like if you're a loctician or you have a certain sort of braids that you do really well but her whole thing is making sure that it is and you don't have to be black it can be anybody she just wants proficient Mm -hmm. hair and makeup artists that know how to do these things so then we can use that database as a resource when possibly head of hair and makeup is like oh i just don't know anybody or oh i just don't have anybody it's right. like here's a database everybody's available here We're, you go yeah, here you, you don't go. need to know them personally here's <laughs> what they can do great so that will be in the show notes for anyone who wants to share that database we can get that database filled yeah. awesome so how'd you get involved with the la board you know so with the la board this is my first time being a part of any form of leadership and i was listening to the podcast audrey helps actors i love and her Right? So good. good. And it happened to be that Katie Von Till and another Katie. Please forgive me if this Katie is listening that I don't have your last name. (laughs) (laughs) But they were both on the board at the time. And they described it as taking a moment to volunteer to support the union that has been supporting them. Mm. And I was like, oh, like, 
I can do that. I can give two years of my time. And especially when I had this dedicated issue I wanted to push forward. Yeah. So I just want to encourage anybody who is a part of SAG-AFTRA or those who are going to be a part of SAG-AFTRA because I never want to leave out our non-union brothers and sisters. Pre- who, yeah, pre-union. There we go. I love it. Yes, yeah. our pre-union brothers and sisters. You know, they're going to be they're going to be right there with us. So right. Know that there is an opportunity to volunteer, even if you don't want to do the board. There, There is being a delegate. There are committees. There's so much to volunteer for. It could be for diversity. It could be where you want to do more community service. There's one for women, one for a certain age group. Mm-hmm. Just to, you know, advocate and support. Because when it comes down to it, we truly are the union. The right. amount of, I didn't know how much, how much power. I I didn't know how much power I had yeah. for just being a union member. But if you need something, you can speak show up, up. and, and receive. Yeah, speak up, show up, get that committee going. Yes. And, and that's how change happens. And then you're going to have a band of people who are so excited and willing to join you in whatever you're fighting for. So just get involved. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right now during COVID, our resources for the union were yeah. being used for the core functions of the union. So we weren't having committees and stuff, but I'm sure as things start picking up again, we'll be able to have committees and do that kind of work. But I know for me, like, how much did you learn? Because I felt like, oh, someone invited me to be on the board. And I felt like, I don't know enough to be on the board. I don't I don't know enough. But the more you show up, the more you know, and the more you learn. And that helps your career. That helps other people's career. And you don't have to feel ready. You don't have to feel like you know everything before you just show up and start learning and start speaking up. Oh my gosh, completely, Courtney, completely. I knew nothing. I thought I knew something because friends would come to me about contracts. I'm like, oh yeah, I read about this. Oh, I don't, I know nothing about contracts. Now that I'm part of it, I'm like, I know nothing. I know and nothing. And it's A-OK, but it's, it's a collective effort. So mm-hmm. it's really just showing up and speaking up. That's, that's all it is. Um, yeah, so you don't, you do not have to be versed on everything union by any means. I definitely am not and still am not. Right. Same. Um, And I've been doing it for (laughs) quite a few years. So I'm always like calling someone who's been in it longer than me or a staff or whatever, asking questions. And, you know, people come to me and if I don't know something, I'm like, I don't know, let me find out for you. And then you can't know everything. There's way too much to know. There's no way. When did you move to LA? Ooh, I moved to LA uh, almost no, it's a full-on six years ago now. Wow. Yeah, six years ago from Chicago. Hey. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yes. you were on Chicago Fire, and then you decided to to move yeah. to L.A. Literally, I so I did an episode of Chicago Fire. I was I was a stage baby to the fullest, and then I did that, and I was like, oh, this is nice. Yeah. And I was like... <laughs> Oh, money. <laughs> literally, I can buy a house one day. Yes, yeah, I was like, this yeah. is great. And it's the same... If not, like the amount of, somebody had put into my brain that like TV was not where the real work was at. Mm. It was it was on the stage. And I have learned the exact opposite of that. 
since doing so yeah. much TV and film and commercials and voiceovers now. So I feel like TV is where it's at right now. I, I mm-hmm. feel like it used to be. I was just listening to George Clooney on Smartless, and he was talking about this, that like when he was doing ER, people were like turning their nose at TV, and he was like, this is an right. amazing job. But now <laughs> it's like you have celebrities wanting to do TV. And he said like TV actors were turning their nose at theater actors and theater actors were turning their nose at TV actors. And now it's just everybody's trying to do everything, right? Like Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I mean, just like with all these, these online forums, with mm-hmm. the Netflix, with the streaming. Yeah. I mean, we are in a different, a different media world. world now. Yeah. Totally. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So you went from doing it looked like on your resume, like co-stars, and then you've jumped, you've like leveled up to the guest star thing. Yeah. Happening. Yes. Do you have any advice for actors on how to do that? Uh, don't quit. <laughs> I just keep... <laughs> yeah, don't just quit. keep going. You know what, it, right? But you know what, Courtney, I'm in a really interesting position right now because um, I don't know if this is the advice to share and give at the moment, but just where I'm at, I... So when I went from co-star to guest star during that time, I was just auditioning. I auditioned for everything. Send me everything. I said yes and. I feel like it was the same way when I got into theater. Like you get out of school and you're like, I don't know what I'm doing. And you're trying (laughs) to find summer stock. You're doing uh, some children's tours. You just say yes to everything and get your feet wet. And you start to discover what you like and the things that you want to do and everything. I think that's the same thing that's been happening in the TV world where I was saying yes to everything. And then Mm -hmm. I was like, you know what? I got some other interests where I don't want to say yes to everything. Uh, So then we just got a little bit more specific where I was only going to take guest star roles and up from there. And when it, when it came to that specificity, I also realized the specificity of the type of shows I wanted to be a Mm. part of. So there was that portion where that got me excited And when you're doing auditions that you're excited to do, boy, oh boy, does that character show up. Makes a difference, yeah. Right. Now, on top of that, and this was interesting when I got to L.A., L.A. is a place where, like, truly what you learned in college of your job is to audition. It is your job to audition. It was very common to have three to five auditions a day. Very common. Pandemic happened. Also, for me, I had a baby. Right. So (laughs) the reality of doing three to five auditions a day and this is my transition now, it's not as exciting to me. I'm not as interested in it. I'm so appreciative of those opportunities. Don't get me wrong. Send me the audition. But again, I've even gotten to another level when it comes to being specific towards the types of roles that I'm interested in and what sort of time it takes out of my day. And if I'm going to show up in the fullness to that of that character and that play of a character too, where it doesn't matter whether I book it or not. Like this was my moment to be able to share this with the world and hopefully that means going on set otherwise I showed up for myself in that day right and And I got to act on that day and right exactly I got to act and I've been a person that always wanted to also produce my own content so yeah pretty quickly after I got to LA I did the digital series I noted commune find us at commune the series on YouTube and that showed me like oh like I don't have to just focus on my one track of a character. I can build a whole world with all these other characters. So it was really fun having that sort of hand and ability to create that. So I've been doing a lot more of that. And I find that 
when I am in my happy zone of creating, all of a sudden the work just comes. Right. So I was doing, <laughs> I was doing my last short film, Roadside Assistance, and I literally was talking to my onset producer, being like, you know what, I'm doing my own work, but like, I don't know if I've been like reaching out to the casting directors, keeping those relationships, blah blah blah. I'm not doing enough. I get a phone call while I was on set for not one, but two jobs. <sighs> One that's turned into a recurring guest star nice. <laughs> and then a, right. And another was a direct offer for space force. Hey. Um, right. Super random. Hadn't been in that office in forever. So I had to remind myself, I was like, Oh, I need to just continue doing the things that get me excited that are a yeah. hell. Yes. That feel good versus because us actors do that thing where we get hungry. I mean, mm-hmm. you do need a check. Scarcity mindset. Yes. Yeah. Right. All of that. And that does, that happens. It's, it's a reality. It's a part of this thing, but I did not want to go down into that hole. So staying away from that hole of the scarcity mindset that really like hustle, hustle, mm-hmm. hunger, hunger kind of mm-hmm. thing and sticking with my joy. I know it sounds so goo goo gaga, but it's not. I'm telling no, you, it's, it's not. not. It's not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And like follow like whatever you believe in for me, that is God, other people, that is universe. But following along into that happy place allows God to do what he needs to do for me to put mm-hmm. to bring those two roles when I literally was on set with my own show, you know, or my own short film. Yeah. Yeah. There's something to be said within that. I'm sure it doesn't hurt to have footage showcasing like an amazing character arc and storyline and like you doing what you are passionate about that doesn't hurt. And someone could find that and see that. And not only just the energetic the the energy that you are putting off from doing that, but the actual product. Did you film during the pandemic at all? Your own stuff? I I, I did not. So it just happened that um I went into labor two weeks after lockdown in LA. Yeah. Oh my so, gosh. So I had shot my last thing when I was five months pregnant, finished editing it right at my ninth month. <laughs> and then <laughs> Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So, but what's happened during the pandemic time, it's, it's really beautiful how people have like completely pivoted during this time. So mm-hmm. I had the beautiful chance of being in an awesome podcast play with Artemisia theater that's in Chicago. Cool. Uh, so, right. So I didn't have to be in Chicago, but I got yeah. to be in this awesome um, short play called opposing Ophelia. I also just was a part of a series called the vaccine vignettes. They're not out just yet, but I got to direct an act in it. Um, our celeb Anna Maria Horsford, who was on amen. Y'all know that voice. Just go look her up. Anna Maria Horsford, who was fabulous. She was one of the leads in it. She played my mother. I got to direct her and I just got the rough cut of it. And it sounds incredible, incredible. So that will be coming too. So although I I was not on the screen, I did have a couple of opportunities behind the the mic to create create art. Yeah. That's amazing. That's how this got started was pandemic and I was just like well I've always wanted to have a podcast so I might as well do it now (laughs) 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 Tiffany what do you love about acting directing producing writing is it all is it the same for all of those things is it different it's different I mean acting like literally getting to step into a person's given circumstances and bringing it through like my vessel and sharing that story yeah man there's nothing like that 
I just uh, did an audition where I was playing twins, like getting to do like literally oh two different God. characters. Yeah, it was so funky. It was so cool. And that was a moment where I was like, ah, like this is why I love acting. When yeah. as a director, getting to see everybody's potential, like seeing everybody's work, because when you direct, it's, it's nearly like you are, I'm just the finishing touch. I already assembled all the incredible people to do the job. So that's a note, everybody, actors who are out there. If you're not getting notes on set, don't think anything bad of it. They just hired you because you know what you're doing. So do your thing because the director's thinking about is, you know, I need to get my grip and gaffer in the right place. (laughs) Right. (laughs) I definitely learned that being on set of like, no news is good news. If they're not coming to you, like... You're good. Right. You're good. Yeah, you did it. So (laughs) it's, it's so satisfying watching the masterpiece, the puzzle piece, like the picture starting to be put together as a director. And that's the hand that I have in it, allowing people to do their greatness in front of me and then just Mm. playing around with that. Um, And then as a producer, I come from a military background. My father was in the Air Force. I have two parents who are very type A. And so I am super uber organized. So my little organization (laughs) hat comes on when I'm a producer and a problem solver. Um, My family's from Trinidad and Tobago in the West Indies. And a model we have is just figure it out. Like figure it out. Something goes awry, figure it out. A producer, you just got to figure it out. Figure it out. I love that. That's a lot of that. And I don't mind being in that place. Like the satisfaction of being the problem solver for this, this, production that's going on. Yeah, it's super fun. And then for writing, you know, it has brought me to so many different people because with my writing, I'm always thinking about somebody like who is that character and how did they come to be? What is their relationship? It's almost like, like as an actor, we do a lot of backstory sometimes as a writer, you really got a chance to do a lot of backstory. Yeah. Yeah. I just heard, I forget her name. She's on Ozark, the curly blonde girl. (gasps) Yes. I love her. What is her name? Oh, she's amazing. (laughs) Anyway, she was talking about how she journals. She has a journal for each character she plays and she journals as her character, like pages full. And I was like, that's brilliant. So I started doing that. Just started like almost like morning pages where you're just stream of consciousness from the point of view of your character. (gasps) Oh, it's really fun. I'm about to do that before each audition. That sounds super. Yeah. Just do a page and just write Mm -hmm. down as your character. That's fabulous. How can people find you and watch your stuff? Definitely. So if you go to my website, Tiffany Yvonne Cox, which we'll find out in the show notes as well, uh, you can find all my things, <laughs> right? <laughs> TiffanyEvonCox.com. I have all of the links. If you want to follow me on Instagram, I'm Tiffany underscore Y underscore Cox. You can find me there because I never know if I really want to be found on Instagram. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> all right. That's all the underscores. <laughs> People find me anyways. <laughs> yeah. Commune is also on Instagram. Yes. yes. Commune is also on it. Yep. Commune the series. You can find it on Instagram too. Great. Anything else before we wrap up? Anything you want to share with everybody? Like, y'all, we've been to it and through it. My friend gave me the best um, word for the pandemic. We're calling it a panini now. My (laughs) 
Yep. And she said, I have to shout out Heather Duck. She said, this is a panini because I can squash a panini and it still tastes good. I was like, (laughs) way to find the silver lining of going through 2020, coming into 2021 and us still, um, we can see the light at the end of the tunnel. So Mm -hmm. follow that light. We are getting there. And I just want to say like, you are a fabulous being for the fact of just still standing up today. <laughs> right. And I'm very thankful for these, like you bringing me on here for this, for this opportunity. And also I, I feel like I've really seen a place of humanity come forward mm-hmm. during this time. So that's just what I want to leave everybody with the gratitude for humanity and how people are showing up as allies for everybody else. Yeah. We are, we really are all in this together and people are really good at their core, even though sometimes <laughs> yeah. it doesn't feel like it. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. <laughs> My friends and I call it the global pandy. That's what we call it. Oh, the global pandy. Yeah, it's, yes. a, pa- it's a pandy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Well, thank you so much, Tiffany. This was delightful. And thank you for sharing your experience and your wisdom with us. And I can't wait to share it with everybody. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much, Tiffany, for coming on the show. Thanks to Eric Backus for mixing this. Mandy Wetzel, my assistant, you're amazing. I love you. And thank you to you for listening, for subscribing, for telling your friends. I hope you learned something. I hope you were inspired. And I hope you feel better than you did before you were listening. I'll talk to you next week. Be your best you.